Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Turn around and give Canada a wave this morning. Welcome them into the congregation. Amen and amen. How many loves the Lord? You can be seated. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, let's open it to Genesis chapter 2. We thank the Lord and I ask the Lord to anoint us one more time for the gospel. I don't know how many times that we've walked up behind the pulpit over this many years, thousands of sermons and every sermon I ever preached. I worried about it, prayed about it, and didn't know what I was going to speak until about a day before I had to deliver it. I always had one complaint with God. Lord, give me a sermon before Saturday. And I don't know why you had to wait till Saturday at 5 or 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock to finally come through. And that leaves no time to go shopping on Saturday. And you can tell I don't like to shop. How many likes my new tie this morning? Amen. Well, you got to dress 40 to be 80. How many knows that? <laughs> it's just a change of life. It's just a sign of an old man. Amen. So, Lord, we ask God to give us strength for one more sermon. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for being a part of the service. And thank you for the happy birthdays and all those things. But I thank you most of all for the many years of attendance, your support to the ministry, and just being uh, present. Because without you being here, there was no reason to come and preach. Amen. And thank those in Canada that have been pastoring that group up there for almost 25 years also. And we thank them and uh, we had a good time with them on the past weekend. They had a dinner for us. Now he had another dinner. I'm watching the scales, but boy, them, them cakes and desserts are <laughs> un unbelievable. So the fellowship and food is just a part of it, and we thank God for that. I believe it's going to be a good year, don't you? Yeah. How, how come you say that? Well, I've got the check for my house in my pocket. <laughs> that starts the new year out wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, my daughter diligently and faithfully signed her part of the house over to me. And so I promised to leave it to her for an inheritance. And if I live as long as my mother, she'll never get it. <laughs> I'm still waiting on mine, and I'm ready for the nursing home. Maybe if I get any, it'll help pay my nursing bill. You know what I mean? Amen. You know, 80 years old is a lot of time, a lot of years and a lot of miles. We've seen a lot of things, and we preached a lot of sermons. We've seen a lot of people come, and we've seen a lot of people go. And it's always glad to see people come. It's always sad to see people go. Amen. We've seen marriages come together, and we've seen marriages split. A pastor does never like to see marriages split, families separated, or nothing like that, because we have to give an account to God. On the day of judgment, why we lost one shepherd or one sheep. Every person that comes and we're responsible for, we have to give an account of how we lost them and why. And I apologize to God every day for my ignorance and my inability to convince you of the gospel. But I also have enough Calvinistic in me to believe that without that seed and without that life in you, you will never be able to hear anyway. So, but that doesn't take the responsibility away from us from preaching. Uh, we own a subject called the kingdom of God. I preached on it 10 or 12 years ago. I've touched it many times in the 30 years or so. I don't know how much we preached, but 
through the years we've touched on it because it is a mystery to most people and even unto myself. As I've said before many times, I've read all the books that I can find on it. Some are good, some are bad, some don't have a clue what it's all about. But the only key that we found would be in the message of the hour. And Brother Branham used the term over and over, but he never gave us much insight to understand what it was all about. Because the kingdom is basically an unfolding revelation of God. The kingdom of God basically is the Holy Spirit. And it is the government of God. So if we in the kingdom, we're under a government. The kingdom of God speaks of the government of God, how God runs things. So this morning we want to go back and I'll give you a little uh, statement there in your notes that to sum up the entire story of the Bible, it can be defined in five words. This is how simple it is. Three gardens and three trees. Three gardens and three trees. That sums up the total story of redemption. God carried out his plan in three gardens, and he symbolized it and hid it in three trees. So we want to start this morning with the three gardens first. I should take each one of them as a part and basically make a series out of it, but we'll see how the Lord opens this up to us. To me, this is the climax and the beginning and the ending of what the prophet's message was all about. And when I say the prophet's message... You understand that I am saying that the Lord Jesus himself in a pillar of fire, the Logos, the, the light. You can term it many things. You can call it God. You can call it the Son of God. You can call it Jesus, the Christ. But it was not Jesus, the anointed one. It is Jesus, the anointing. Jesus Christ, the anointing. It is the Logos of God. The Logos is the mystery of God. When he says Christ is a mystery of God, he's not speaking about the man Jesus with the woman's seed. He's speaking of Christ, the Logos, the light. In the beginning was total darkness, nothing but God. If he had a blackboard here, you could draw it out. Nothing but God, blackness. In that blackness was God, this eternal being that had no beginning and no end. As the prophet tells the story many times, you find in the beginning... There had to be a beginning to this eternal one to unveil himself. He saw a light form out of the darkness. This little light is called the anointing of God. It is the Shekinah glory. It is not God. It is a representation of the presence of God. Now, don't forget that. It is not God. It is a representation of the presence of God. Therefore, when we see the picture of the prophet with the light over his head. And remember, that is not God. That is a representation that the Jews call the Shekinah glory, which represents the presence of God. Usually there is a prophet on hand before this light reveals himself or manifests himself. He cannot display himself or manifest himself outside of the means of a physical body called a prophet. That makes him a special individual that has contact with the pillar of fire. Many are saying today that Joseph is a prophet, and the prophet said he was, and that's, that's all right. It all depends on what kind of prophet he be, turns out to be. Whether he follows man, he'd be a prophet of men. If he follows God the Word, he'd be a prophet of God. 
He is not Malachi 4, 5, and 6. He is not Revelation 10, 7. Neither does he qualify for Deuteronomy 18. He can be a prophet. He will see visions. And he saw visions at three years of age. But we'll have to wait and see what it turns out to be. Which way that he will go. They claim that he is their Joshua. The one that's leading them through. Well, if that's what they believe. Then according to their faith, be it unto them. So what we're looking at basically... Uh, if you had to have a prophet to be in contact with the pillar of fire, now they're saying that you have to sit under Joseph to have contact to the pillar of fire, which his message is, play the tapes, which that's fine. Many of us would be better off if we played tapes. The Lord had not led me that way yet, because I believe there's a fivefold ministry, and the fivefold ministry's obligation is to take responsibility over the people, to teach them the Word of God. And now by a fivefold ministry is to be able to bring the message of the hour to the people. Break it down in our language. Break it down to our level of understanding. So that you can understand this Bible and what God's doing in common language. We were all college graduates. Then I would have to step up and put it in a degree in a language that would detract the intellectual mind. So that you'd be able to understand what I'm saying. We are not college graduates. I am mostly unlearned. I'm not educated. Therefore, I have to put it down to my level. And uh, if you're above my level, that's fine. But if you're below my level, then you're right where I need to be to be able to break it down to where we can understand in our simplicity what God is telling us that we can have a revelation of who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that is the gospel. The gospel today, to me, the message of the hour is He is here. Now, the question people should ask in the message, which they do not ask, is if the message is he is here, who is the he? The he is the same one that said he was the tree of life, and we find him in the garden. So this he is here could possibly say the tree of life is here. So if the tree of life is here, we are back to the garden of Eden. The tree of life is here as the omega of the alpha. He is here to consummate and finish up his plan that he set as a type in the Garden of Eden. Now we're in the garden over here already to go into the holy city or the last garden called the holy city or New Jerusalem. So just to let us mind the three gardens is what? Number one, the garden in Eden. The garden in Eden, there was a tree. Many trees, but the one tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil caused the fall of man, death. So man now is cast out of the garden and begins his journey. In the middle of the chapter, there's a garden of Gethsemane. There you find also the tree of the woman's seed made flesh. Suffering, praying for strength to overcome, to be the sacrifice for mankind. And therefore, he looked at a cross. The cross is the tree or a Roman tree of which he must be cut down and given as a sacrifice. There, he atoned for our sins and delivered man from the penalty of the first Adam. That Eve fell also through the church ages, eat it all the way down to the roots. But remember, life or immortality is in the root of the tree. Begins to grow up. Now then, that same tree is here and we're looking at a tree in the holy city, because the Bible says on each side of the river it was the tree of life that bare twelve manners of fruit which sustained those in the city and outside of the city in perpetual life all the way through. 
I hope God will reveal to you what the 12 fruits that they bear each month, what that might be, but I don't know at this time. So you're looking at the history of man, three gardens and three trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, the fall of man, the cross, the atonement for man, the tree of life in the garden, a holy city is basically eternal life and redemption for man. The last garden is basically the first garden back again in its completion as God ordained it to be. So Alpha and Omega is always first and the last is always the same. So we want to look at the gardens and hopefully we can look at each garden to see the picture. And we want to look at the gardens to see first the Garden of Eden and this is where man fell. I have read uh, many theologians, many books on the two trees, the, what happened in the garden. Most theologians still bring it back to an apple. With that in mind, we want to look at the Scripture to see what the Scripture plainly teaches us the fall of man. If we can see the fall of man and the outcome of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll understand why you must be born again. Amen. So in the, uh, first, the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it tells us the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So the first thing we notice here, this garden was planted by God and not man. I would say everything in this garden that he planted was good for food and very good in the eyes of God because if you read the chapter, everything that he created was good. You'll notice that it is eastward in Eden, so Eden had to be a country or a territory or a land where we're speaking. I don't know, uh, you can follow the rivers and try to find out where it is, but it was a country at that time. And there he, and basically he took the man from the ground of Eden. Now he takes this man formed and plants him in the garden of God. He wasn't there originally. He plants him there. He puts man in the garden. And it says, and out of the ground, and he put man whom he had formed. Now he formed man out of the dirt or ground outside of Eden. I keep repeating that because it's important. When the blood fell at Calvary. When the blood fell at Calvary, it fell upon the ground outside of Eden. When the blood fell on the ground outside of Eden, it absolutely redeemed the ground or the body that was originally of Adam. So there had to be blood on the ground to sanctify the ground to begin this process to bring us back. If he had been formed in the ground inside of Eden, he would not have fallen. So he, his body was out here. So the, what we see, first of all, what part do we need to be redeemed and what part fell? And it was the part outside of the garden, which was the ground, which represented a body. So we're looking at a body, which is a part, threefold part of man, soul, spirit, body. And we'll get to it in a few minutes, how Adam was made one, two, three. All right. Genesis chapter 9, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. He tells us that everything in this garden that grew out of the ground was good to eat. Looks like he made man a fruit-eating creature. Hopefully some of them trees was pecan and nut trees, so it had a few nuts to go along with it. 
Because every tree out of the ground was good for food. Remember that. If it grew out of the ground, it's good to eat. The only tree that was not good for eat didn't come out of the ground. Keep that in mind because it says the tree of, the, a tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here was two trees that was not planted in the ground that was also in the midst of the garden and the garden represents the government of God. It represented the headquarters. Brother Brown told you this in Satan's Eden. It represented the Holy of Holies. It represented God's presence on earth, the kingdom on earth here now. It was almost like a zone or a bubble or presence, an atmosphere that God planted in here, extraterrestrial, dimensional. And in there, everything in there was good. So remember, in the presence of God, you find the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which represented Satan. And Satan has always been in the presence of God, the anointed cherubim. So what you're seeing is the picture of the anointing ones at the end time. These two seed coming all the way through. And we should recognize who we are at this time. Watch. So these two trees are in the midst of the garden. And we notice now there are in this verse 9. It's mentioned three trees. Number one, every tree that is good for food. So every tree that grows out of the ground was good to eat. Nut, fruit, whatever it produced, it was good for food. We find another tree called the tree of life. This is not a tree that grows in the roots. This is not a literal tree. It is a symbolic or a spiritual tree. It is symbolic language telling you that the presence of God was there. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. That tree was there. So you see three trees. Trees that's good for food. The tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, why would you need the tree that's good for food? Was to feed the body, keep the body alive that he formed out here of man and put in the garden. See, the soul and the spirit does not need physical food. It needs spiritual food. Your physical body needs to eat something to eat to sustain its life. So you're absolutely looking at three kinds of life or three kinds of man or the three parts of man. So the three kind of trees in the garden, one tree that grew out of the ground, the other two trees were not little trees in the ground, but two spiritual laws of reproduction. They were absolutely trees represent personalities or men. These are two representations of two laws of reproduction. One of them is represented as Satan. One of them is represented as Jesus Christ. But remember, Satan cannot reproduce or bring forth life. He cannot create life. He cannot produce life. The only one of those two trees that can produce life is the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ or the Logos of God himself who created all life. So remember, if Satan is there and he is a symbol of a reproduction, he must have something vicariously to use and anoint to be able to reproduce himself. Which speaking of his spiritual characteristics, which we know the story, which was the serpent, and he anointed the serpent to deceive Eve, and therefore he brought forth the seed of the serpent through deception, the literal seed. But this tree of knowledge of good and evil represents two laws of reproduction. One is carnal and one is spiritual. Because remember the two laws, Jesus said, He that is born of the flesh is flesh. 
He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. Therefore, you must be born again because of eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You were born of the flesh. Carnal knowledge of good and evil. Speaking of reproduction. So being born of the flesh from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Flesh is flesh. Therefore, you had to be born of another law, which is spirit. And spirit begets spirit. He that is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. Therefore, I say unto you, you must be born again, because every one of us here was born by natural reproduction through humankind. So every one of us was born in sin, shaping in iniquity, coming into the world, speaking lies. Not one of us bypassed the original sin. The original sin was a sexual relationship outside of marriage. Amen. The relationship was ordained of God, but the prophet said it was not known to them at that time because God wanted to bring forth his sons through the spoken word or another spiritual process that we don't quite understand how it would be. But he would come just like Jesus come, maybe through the woman, by the spoken seed, but it took Adam and Eve, both trees now, to reproduce itself. Because when it was separated, man was separated too. It took the male and the female to reproduce itself. Therefore, the bride tree or the groom tree in the garden needs a bride tree united to reproduce itself in sons and daughters of God with immortal life from the very roots of this tree that was eaten down through the church ages And the very roots of the tree of life is God Himself. You say, well, now you're getting back to the mystery of the Godhead. Remember the Logos that come out of God, that little light that we actually call God. That little light that come out of God in the very beginning was called the Son of God. Now, here's your mystery, and it's hard to understand and grasp. Unless you bring yourself right back to a oneness, one like your finger, which is not true. There was nothing there but God for this son to be produced from. But in the beginning it says, when this light come out, now the son of God, nothing but this little light. The principle of seed is what? God in Christ, or life in every seed that produces itself. So God was in this light, or represented in this light, as the seed that come forth out of God. Now then, Brother Bram said, now we have two. Now we have two, Father and Son. Now there's the mystery. Remember, the Logos is the mystery of God. If you're not careful through the Old Testament, when you get to the New, you'll have three. Or if you're very spiritual, you'll have one like your finger. It is a revelation of the plan of God. So we see now that you have two. God said, let us make man after our own image. The image was spiritual. In whatever form, there was spirit. If it was a theophany, a celestial body, or whatever form they had, it couldn't look like a form of an individual or a man, but it was a spiritual body, spirit. If we have a body waiting for us when we die, and we do have, because you bypassed it to come through the natural birth, 
That body there, what does it look like? It looks a whole lot like you do now, except it's about 20 or 25 years of age. Because God struck your perfect body at your perfect age. God sees you perfect. And there he struck your image. And we get old in this one. My body is getting old, but I have an age one iota. My soul in here has eternal life, but it has a body that matches me at perfection. Praise be to God. And if I can get access to the tree of life, the fruit of that tree is immortality. And immortality does not affect my soul. It only affects my body. My body is decaying. My body has a curse in it. The day that you're born, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. So I've got a problem here in this realm. And that is being born the wrong method or the wrong way, which is now acceptable to God. It's in the permissive will of God, but it wasn't the perfect will. Therefore, we found grace in the eyes of God because when we find Adam and Eve cast out of the garden because of the deception, they was cast out, but with a hope of a promised seed that was to come to bring redemption to them, to put them back into the presence of Almighty God. So it's a symbolic story that we're looking at. One tree would absolutely produce flesh bodies for the spirit and soul to dwell in, which is only temporal. But then I said, this body is only temporal, but you don't see me because this is only a body of reflection of me. But I will say this, I can recognize your spirit by what it manifests in your body. You can't fool anybody by the works that you do in your body because it's only a reflection of your spirit. Amen. Amen. I was hoping more people would be here to celebrate my birthday since I'm so special. <laughs> and when you can't even feed them and get them here, there's something wrong with them. There is something wrong with them. What I'm saying is this. We have absolutely passed a point of no return. We are going on and nothing can stop you. There's nothing can stop us because I believe everyone outside of the Word of God is being filtered out. That's the reason you see it falling, falling now faster than basically killing flies with a spray. But that soul in there that come from God, it is already sealed in. It's already pronounced by predestination that it will be there. We have a glorified body that is present now. And I see my position back in the Garden of Eden in New Jerusalem. Remember, the millennium now is not the garden. It is only the promised land to prepare us to fulfill a prophecy of God to get us back to the garden, which is New Jerusalem or that holy city. So we find that the one tree now produces bodies in the flesh that shall go back to dust from which it came. So how are we going to live forever? The tree of life, we find out that Adam and Eve and everything there had a form of life. You say, well, here's a tree of life. But Adam and Eve had life. The serpent had life. The trees had life. Zoe, God's own life. He created it all. So if you needed a tree of life there and you already had life, what would the tree of life represent? Had to represent a higher form of the life than you had. Just like justification. 
It's just a little beginning of life. Sanctification is a process of that life, taking it to a higher form. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is the approval or the witness and the earnest of that life, showing you that you have another body already waiting, a representation beyond the visible. In the invisible realm, you have a representation. And when you hear the gospel, when you hear the gospel, you're only responding to your own theophany, your own representation, your own body that's already there in the presence of God. There is a body there that you bypass, it knows that you missed it, and not only is it longing for its manifestation, the soul that should have went there and come forth in the proper by the tree of life, it's groaning for its manifestation, and the two are pulling, and the deep call it to the deep. Come on now, talk to me this morning. And the deep is getting closer and closer and closer. You call it the voice of God or the anointing of God, it is that part and attribute of God that represents you, but it is your own part of the body of the tree of life that's calling and responding back to that part inside of you. Like the prophet said, you can tell where, which way a tree falls is the way that is leaning. If you're leaning towards the things of the world, that's the way it's going to fall. If you're leaning towards the things of God, that's the way it's going to fall. Amen. So you and I are represented as trees. Every individual is represented as a tree, so the symbolic language primarily used in the Bible is of a tree, fruit-bearing tree. What confuses most people in Israel was they understood the symbology of a tree, but when Jesus changed the metaphor in mid-sentence and went to wheat and tares and whatever more, uh, then basically they got confused by mixing the metaphors up and didn't understand the parables. So the tree of life was a higher plane of life than Adam had at that time. And the roots of the tree of life was not in the ground. It was in God. The roots of the tree come out by the spoken word of God. So the spoken word of God, let there be, was the original seed. And it had roots in the creator itself. Are you following me now? When you see me, you see the Father. In other words, you see the visible manifestation of the life in the root, manifested in the fruit, and Jesus was the fruit of the tree of Almighty God. Now, we see here three kinds of trees represented in Eden, which speaks of the three parts that makes an express attribute of God's own visible life. You need a spirit, you need a soul, and you need a body to represent and make up an individual or a man. You say, well, God is here in spirit. You can't see him. You can't see him. Most of you can't feel him. He's invisible. But if God makes up a person, that person had to have a soul, a spirit, and a body. That soul, spirit, and body, those three elements, now makes the person the expression of the very life that is in that soul somewhere that brought forth everything else. So I can be a two-part being, soul and spirit, but when I die, they're going to lay the body in the ground. It's going to go back to dust because it was born from the tree of knowledge, carnal knowledge. My spirit is going to go back to God who gave it because God is the giver of all life and all spirit. My soul now lays in the balance my soul was a seed of God, a word, an attribute of God, or it was not. 
Now then that soul is what needs another body to fulfill the promise of eternal life to have contact with the physical realm and also has the ability to contact the spiritual realm or the dimensions where you can walk in and out as an immortal son and daughter of God. All right. So these three trees that represented Eden speaks to me of the three places, body, soul, and spirit that God made man. And it also speaks of three kinds of men. The three levels within man are three kinds of life. You say, what, kind, what do you mean three kinds of life? Well, I've got a body life. I can feel my senses, whatever more. I've got spirit life that I can reason and study and whatever more and think, which contacts the senses. And I've got a soul life that never had a beginning. The soul life come from God. Now, I'm going to believe that every one of them here, in you here this morning believes that your soul come from God. Amen. We are sons and daughters of God. Amen. We never was lost to start with. Amen. You said, now you're getting back to strict Calvinism. Calvin was right in his doctrine, but he got so right in his doctrine that he got too lazy to even say amen. We are predestinated attributes and thoughts of Almighty God now displayed on earth, working out God's program and plan. In other words, we are God's thoughts made flesh. And sooner you realize that, the sooner that you realize who you are and what you are, and that we and ourselves can do nothing. I've heard preachers say, well, uh, I had a prayer line, I healed five people. There's no man that ever healed anybody. Only God can heal. Can you say amen? I was there when God raised the dead. I was there when that demon was cast out. And basically, if I hadn't been there, the devil might not have been cast out. Come on now. So God needs your body to manifest himself through. So if you ain't there, God may not be there. Come on, somebody say amen. So he let us be a part of his own plan. Because God being a spirit, he needs a physical body to contact and deal and manifest himself in this life here Amen. glory to God and we're only vessels or channels by which the Holy Spirit works in and through it tells you that there's three kinds of life first in Adam himself you can follow it down first he was a spirit man let us make God after our image so first the spirit man come forward uh, Brother Bram said he was like the Holy Spirit. He could go over and he named the uh, animals and all those things in the Spirit. He didn't wait till it formed in the flesh and say, Oh, that big animal must be an elephant. I want to name it an elephant. He named the spirits, the theophany realm, the spirit forms of those animals in that dimension. He named every one of them before he was put in the body and the animals come forth in visible form. Therefore, when the elephant come forth manifested, the spirit was already named, and they only give it, see, that's an elephant, that's a lion, that's what more than that, what more. Amen. All right. So what you're seeing is Adam was first formed in the spirit life. Then he, it was, tells us that he, well, his body was formed around that spirit man. Then finally, we find that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives. And he made him a 
quickening or living soul now. Meaning that this tree in this form can bring forth fruit after its kind. Hallelujah. In other words, every life in Adam was breathed into the nostrils of the ability to bring forth this element of life in Adam. So everyone that's born of Adam is saved. But there was only one element. Cain was not in Adam. You've got to understand the original to ever understand what Christianity is about, denominational without what God is against and for and everything else. Cain was not in Adam. He was in the loins of the serpent, and he got mixed up with a female, and he was so close to mankind that it was compatible and brought forth a Cain who had a place for a soul, but did not have a soul of God. He was like a hybrid born, like Brother Bram said, a mule. Was he religious? Absolutely. He was more religious than Abel was. But every seed in Adam is a son and daughter of God. And the Bible tells you that everyone in Adam is saved. Everyone outside of Adam has a problem. All right. So you're looking at a natural genealogy coming right down through with a spiritual genealogy. So you find the three parts. The spirit, the body, and then the soul. And now that is called man. Then you find God separated man into two elements. But taking a rib, forming a woman. Now then you got Adam and Eve, male and female. But each one of them together is still called man. We are told that we have a theophany, a body already waiting eternal in the heavens. If we have a body eternal waiting in the heavens, then it has to be a part of God. What does it look like? It looks pretty good. Most people on earth today does not like what they look like or their own bodies. How many would like to be able to go to your computer and put in the different parts and create a body for yourself exactly like you wanted it to be. Half of you may be Rock Hudson. I hope it's the top half, not the bottom. You may be this. You may be a little bit Marilyn Monroe. You may be a little Jane Russell. You may, that's how old I am. You may be a little of this and a little of that and one more. But when you got through putting yourself together and looking in the mirror, you would look horrible. Can you imagine having Marilyn Monroe legs and Jane Russell head and so-and-so else's hair? But how many of you sisters always work on your hair? You'd like for it to be something else or you wouldn't cut it and cut it and tin it and shape it and twist it and burn it. And I don't know how women have so much trouble with hair. Just let it grow. Thank God for it. If you didn't have any, I guarantee you, you'd say, oh, I wish I had long hair. I wish I had long hair. Amen. Like the Bible said, if you're going to cut it, shave your head. Why won't you shave your head? Well, bald-headed women don't look good. Oh, that's, oh, you don't think bald-headed women look good? I think a bald-headed woman look wonderful. Makes you think of a cue ball. That's what God thinks, too, your cue balls. Come on, be with me this morning. This is my 80th birthday. I can be a little bit loose this morning. 
But most people don't like their bodies. I look at my big little muscle here. I say, boy, if I had muscle like that guy over there, I think I'd buy me a bottle of pills. Maybe I'd be like it. You buy a case of pills and you exercise, and that muscle don't ever look like that muscle. I always want to be like Michael Jordan. I, I jump and jump and jump and jump. I never did float in the air. You get a, God, that's not fair. He floats through the air. He defies gravity. I can't even touch the net. Oh, that guy's six foot four. Oh, I'm only five foot two. Seems to me like God likes a variety. And if God made you, he made you perfect. So get settled with yourself. So you can be settled with your husband. So your husband can get settled with you. Because what we see in the garden. Before the fall. You see the perfect picture of marriage relationship between man and woman. They had peace. Harmony. Didn't argue. Had everything they wanted to eat. Communication must have been great. Atmosphere was right. Everything was perfect. No trouble. No trouble. No trouble. Adam got busy naming the bees and the trees and whatever more. Eve got bored. He's not paying no attention to me. And listen, husbands, if you don't pay attention to your wife, some other guy will. Come on, talk to me this morning. Because that's what a woman wants. Oh, he pays attention to me. He told me how beautiful I was. Well, look in the mirror if you think you're that beautiful. Every woman usually falls for this garbage, how beautiful you are. If they'd only look in the mirror, they should be thankful for the husband that they got. Amen. I'm thankful for the wife I've got for, what, 58 years? The most perfect mate that God could give me and the only mate that I'll ever have. Praise be to God. Sister Gregory is perfect as far as I'm concerned. She's perfect for me. How many of you husbands this morning got coffee brought to bed for you? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody had coffee in bed this morning? What, I see a little of this. What, you had half a cup of coffee? What, you, you, you had what? Ah, uh, then she just half a wife. They're supposed to make it for you, bring you to bed, say, good morning, dear. Kiss you all morning. Hope you have a good day. Do I, you need anything else? You feel good this morning? Hallelujah. Do you love me? I love you. Praise God. We're going to have a beautiful day. Now, after what, 58 years, but except 54 years with coffee in bed and telling them how great I am, I'm almost beginning to believe her. Then I look in the mirror. I mean, knows that the Word of God is a mirror. Look in the mirror. Well, that's enough of that. But the Garden of Eden was the perfect relationship of husband and wife. And when we end up in the holy city, it'll be perfect again. We know the scriptures teach us that the tree of life is actually signifies the life of God or immortality. So if we ever get to eat from the tree of life, it will give us immortal life or a higher form of life. You said, I thought the baptism of the Holy Ghost give us a higher form of life. Paul preached a stabilizing message because he knew that the uh, return of Christ wouldn't happen in his day. He preached that you had to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which would be an earnest of your inheritance that was to come. 
He preached at the last trump when the last angel comes, the last church age messenger comes with the last message. Then we would be raised up in your earnest that held you, established you, and kept you. Would keep you all the way until the voice of the seventh angel. When the tree of life comes and there will be a group that partakes of the tree of life. And when they partake of the tree of life, then the resurrection can come and bring them a body change. Because the tree of life has to be partaken of, which brings us from the baptism of the Holy Ghost to a higher form of life. The stabilizer holds until the Holy Ghost himself comes as the tree of life. And when you wash your robes, you have right to the tree of life to enter into the city of Almighty God. We are standing in the presence of the tree of life. God himself, Jesus Christ, the Logos, is here. The revealed word that you call the message of the hour. We're standing in the presence of it. That's the reason in Revelation we preached on it a long time ago. Wash your robes because around this tree is whoremongers, idolaters, sorcerers, liars, Every ill thing is around this tree. So God come down in Satan's Eden and stands here to disrupt Satan's Eden. Just like Satan was in the Garden of Eden and disrupted God's Eden. Praise be to God. And he's promised that when this tree comes down, this little stone, this little bitty group, this little revelation. Remember this last kingdom as a stone that was cut out of a mountain. And this stone was to grind all these kingdoms and all these governments, grind it down to powder, powder, grind it into dust, destroy every one of them. And this little stone now, you say, what kind of little stone is that? It's the revelation of the tree of life, revelation of the presence of Almighty God being here in the mouthpiece of a prophet, speaking words of judgment and condemnation to every system there is on the face of the earth. This revelation that the tree of life is here will destroy every kingdom on this earth today. And those who become a part of it, the tree of life, will come back on this earth in Revelation 19. And we will war against every kingdom and every government and every sect and every cult there is. And we'll destroy them all by the spoken word of Almighty God. You are going to fight. We may not be fighters now. But we'll be fighters in the end. Amen. Amen. So the soul of man is that element of God that produces a God consciousness. The spirit is a realm of self-consciousness. And the body is that realm of the five senses or sense consciousness called the carnal man. Paul warns us about being carnal minded. In other words, being controlled by the flesh and the body. When the fall come and was cut off from the presence of God, it's like basically the veil dropped down over your soul. Man, through all these years, that veil over his soul doesn't know where he come from or how to get back there. It was soon lost. Now they don't even know where the garden was or where the cherubim was or how the gate gets to Now every religion is searching for the tree of life. Tree of life. Where's the tree of life? Where's the tree? How do we get there? That veil dropped down. He said a garden by a cherubim. To me, it's a dimensional thing. It's a spiritual thing. You are a three-dimensional person. You are physical, senses. You are a spiritual person. You can travel by the spirit and thought realm to wherever this morning. 
You are a soul. They come from God that you don't understand. It's eternal. It's life. So we're absolutely three-dimensional. Now only the one dimension have we got to overcome, and that's this one right here. I keep warning you and telling you over and over and over, that soul inside you did not fall. You were born in sin by a representation of one man, Adam, almost 6,000 years ago. But 2,000 years ago on another tree, praise be to God, who gave up the ghost. Let thy will be done, atoned and redeemed and paid my price. That my soul could come out of redemption, out of darkness. The veil be lifted and I can see who I am. The spiritual amnesia is removed. And now we know even as we are known. That's what this message is all about. We also see that the tree represented the law of cause and effect. Everything is controlled by a law. The law of gravity, we went through that years and years, taught the laws over and over and over. There's a law of giving, there's a law of sowing, there's a law of reaping. All these laws are a part of God and they work if you learn how to use them. The law of cause and effect. Our life is the effect and God's life is the cause. That's where you got to start. People say, well, I don't know whether I'm saved. or I don't know whether I'm this. I don't know whether I'm that. How come you don't know? Well, I'll go to the preacher and find out. The preacher can't tell you. Well, I'll go to this school and find out. School can't teach it to you. I'll go to this meeting. I'll do that. Only one source can tell you who you are. That's this source right here, which is Almighty God. This Bible can point you in a direction to open your mind. The door to your mind has to be open. If the door to the mind is not open, it can never get through your spirit down to your soul. See, you're locked up down here in the inside of the inside. Very few people will find the way to release their soul. To finally be converted. Many people are saved. Many people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their mission of sins. Saved. Will they be in heaven? Yes. Will they get there the way we want to get there? No. Saved, but not converted. Because to be converted, there has to be something happen down in the soul realm. The process is laid out for us. We know repentance, water baptism, on and on in sanctification, judgment. All those things are laid out until we come to this hour and we're final hour and we want immortal life. We don't want to die. There's something in us that don't want to die. Why? I believe it has to be a promise from God that not all shall die for some of us to have that element in us to fulfill that scripture that we don't want to die and we will not die and there will be a time coming soon that we'll be able to understand and say boldly, I shall not die until I see my Lord coming in glory. I will see the sleeping saints. I will go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I will enjoy it for three and a half years. And I will return with Him in all the glory and splendor of the tree of life. One person. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil had a cause and effect. If you'll notice, to partake of this tree, there was a curse or a law pronounced that the day that you eat thereof, that day you shall surely die so we find the government of God is that every word of God is true when he says don't eat don't eat 
If he says you, when you eat there, you'll die, when you eat there, you die. You say, well, Adam and Eve didn't die. I guess sometimes, sure, they said, well, uh, we, we, got, we beat that one. God said we were going to die, and we lived and lived and lived and lived and lived for 900 and something years. But guess what? They died. You may live a long time in the body, but sooner or later, it's going to die. The body has got a law already spoken into it. There's always a, already a limit spoken to this body right here. It can only reach certain realms and times, and it's got to go back to the dust. Unless God intervenes. Unless God intervenes. And the only way that this body can be stopped from progressing on is there's another law has to come through the mind, down to the soul, out the mouth to stop the body from continuing in the process of death and begin its reversal and its transformation back to an immortal body. Hallelujah. And it is like a baby being born in the mother's womb. Brother Branham said the immortal life is there. And as you feed it and want more, it will grow and be birthed and grow until it becomes mature into a perfect man. All right. The tree of knowledge of good and evil had a cause and effect and partake of that life. The tree produces death for it is appointed unto man wants to die. The effect of the tree of life would be to transform our bodies to a higher form of life called immortality. This is the promise of the Word of God and the message of this hour. And the message of this hour is that He is here. I, I listened to a, a preacher yesterday. I just accidentally come upon it. Joe sent me an email and a video, and I went to it. And over to the right, there was another man sitting there, and the title is Why I Left the Message. So I thought, well, I'll see who it is. And it was Lance LaRue and, and, uh, out of Brother Eddie's church, which I have heard of him for 30 or 40 years, but I never had met him personally. And I knew he was a co-pastor in Brother Eddie's church and had left several years back. Then he ministered about four years to that split-off group and now uh, he, why he left the message. And so I listened to him to explain why he left the message. And if, what was interesting to me was in the beginning he tells his background in the message, raised on the message, preached on many years, so on and so on. Give his, all this record. And he says, well, there was a, a, a doctrine or a teaching come through the church once called the Perusia and took off several people. He said, now, we know that's error. And he just, just kept right on going. He said, now, people ask us and say, well, uh, we believe the message. I'm going to tell you what the message is. Well, the message is a compilation of Brother Branham's quotes, sayings, his teachings, and his doctrines. That's the message. I thought, well, that's the reason why you're outside the message. You never didn't know what the message was. The message is, He is here. Let me understand that. All right, say it with me. He is here. The tree of life is here. Well, I don't see it, Brother Greg. Then put the eye salve on your eyes and ask God to let you see. Buy me gold tried in the fire. 
Little eyes sad. Brother Brown told the story. Right? His eyes get so matted up in the cold, and he couldn't. He had to add a little grease put on it, and then he could see. The prophet is gone. We have his tomb. We have his tapes. We have his book. Listen to the tapes. Read his books. But the one that's going to get you out of here is not the prophet. He was only a body. He, he was only a tool, an instrument that God used. Don't you understand? Man is only a tool that God uses. He won't use nothing outside of a man. But he must use a man to manifest himself. Man cannot do nothing in themselves. He can't save himself. He can't heal himself. He can't do nothing for you or himself. Period. It is God and God's grace, which is life, that does everything for you. So if you have a relationship and it works out, thank God for it. If you got money in your pocket, thank God for it. If you got healthy children, thank God for it. If you got a sane mind, help God, thank God for it. Everything you do, every breath you breathe, everything, we, we're going to thank God for the ribs. We're going to thank God for the barbecue. We're going to thank God for the... What kind of pie did you make, Mom? <laughs> Especially for the pie. Because don't ask God, kill all the germs in there and don't give me the curse. That it, what Sugar, okay. Everything comes from God. Once we get down to it's all God. Everybody say all God. That spirit that come out of you as one voice is still the unity of God. Our relationship is bonded by God. Our whole life together is God. We're talking about unity of the spirit of God. One body, one marriage, one union, one word, God. We're a part of the story. Look at the characters in the garden. Because why? I'm painting the Amiga of the Garden of Eden. And we've got two more gardens to go until we get to the final garden. Because the characters you find in the Alpha, you'll find in the end time. Just like in the Garden of Eden, we'll get to it. Look what you had in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did you have the devil in the Garden of Gethsemane? Absolutely. Judas. Judas was in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the devil was there. The tree of life was there. And Adam's seed was there. Poor old Adam's seed couldn't stay awake five minutes. We hadn't changed much, have we? How many can get on your knees, start praying if you're not careful? You're thinking and you go to sleep and wake up and you're dreaming and you thought you was praying. Uh, wait till you get 75. You'll do that. Anybody's ever prayed two minutes and thought you prayed an hour? Oh, I must, have been, I, must have been, I must have prayed 30 minutes. That should be enough. Two minutes? Oh. Hallelujah. What we need is an angel to come and strengthen us. <laughs> So we can overcome. Wait, we'll get, we'll, that's another subject altogether, how he fought the battle. The middle, the middle garden is the main garden. You see the characters in the drama? We have an Adam and Eve, which is called man. Now separated into two forms, male and female. We have a law of life called the tree of life, which speaks of Jesus Christ, the Logos of God. We have a serpent, 
which is the most subtle beast of the field who could communicate and talk. I heard a, a theologian the other day on a video talking about the talking snake. I thought, man, how can you be so educated? He could, he could speak doctors in Greek words. Fever, and see, he said, so-and-so, he wanted to get the Greek words, say, we got a talking snake. Who in God's name ever heard of a talking snake? Now, come on. I, if you believe that, I'm a, I got a bridge I want to sell you. We went into a store up there in Canada, which I always like to go to a men's store. Maybe they got a, a sport coat of a different color, a different color tie, something that blinds you when you look at it, you know. And there's two men in there, three actually, and didn't have no customers. The cold, the blue blaze, it's 50 degrees, so and so. And me and Orville went in, we looked around pretty soon, and the guys always say, they want to help you sell me something that you don't want to buy, you know. And he said, what are you doing up here? I said, well, I'm up here visiting a church. Visit a church? What kind of church? I said, well, it's just a community church over here on uh, Clarence and 8th. Oh, okay, what do y'all do as a church? Well, he wants no well, we have songs, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Okay. So you're a preacher, huh? Yeah, I'm a preacher. Well, how do you do that? Well, I told him, we'll live stream back and forth. Okay, okay. So they asked questions there a few minutes, and this uh, actually was an oriental guy, sharp-looking guy. Man, he had a sport coat on, I think it probably cost $1,000. It was, man, it was sharp. Had a two, man, he was dressed to the T. Shine, shoes shine, man, he was dressed. Business, business, business. I said, man, you look sharp. He said, uh... I'm an agnostic. I said, oh, I had never met one before. Glad to meet you. He said, I got a question for you. I said, okay, how come you're an agnostic? He said, I got a question for you. And I said, oh, oh Lord, here, here it comes. I'm going to get run out of this store. What do you think happened in the garden? I said, well, since you asked. <laughs> I said, since you asked. Boy, the anointing come on, I didn't even have to think. My mouth opened up, and about an hour later, they said, we've heard enough, we've heard enough, we've heard enough. The guy looked, you know, what a morning. I said, well, he said, where did, you, where did you get all that knowledge? What school did you go to? I said, neology. He said, now, no man can understand those things without, with somebody being a teacher. I said, we got one big teacher. And I said, it's called the Holy Spirit. And I turned around to that guy. I said, we got to leave because I can tell everything is getting a little icy. I said, I'm glad to meet you, agnostic. I won't see you over there because I'm going one way and you're going another way. I said, but glad to meet you on this side of Jordan. What time's your church? I said, well, it's at 10 o'clock, but I doubt if you'll come anyway, so that's all right. He said, well, you weren't too nice. Well, I was real nice. I didn't call him serpent seed. I didn't tell him he was going to hell. I just said, I'm not going where you're going. But being an agnostic, he only thought, you was, I don't think you're going anywhere, see? So, yeah. Just talk to one. We got Satan in the garden. How many knows that? Now, Satan cannot re reproduce himself, so basically, like I said, he had to have something vicarious. How do you know Satan was in the garden? We put it in your notes last week in Ezekiel 28. Let's read these scriptures real quickly, and we'll come to a close just a minute. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's not talking to the natural king. He's talking to the devil that's in him. Here we find a man that was a king. Who is absolutely the incarnated devil. 
Because remember, when it was cast out of the garden, Cain, the serpent, Satan, brought his government out of the, out of the garden to continue his government. Adam brought his children out. Abel continued his government. But Cain's government always superseded. We could get to the empires. We could get to the kingdoms. We could get all the heads of gold. And Daniel said all this, what more. But every kingdom on earth, is, its head is Satan. Every time God had a little move, uh, I put it in your notes, every time God played a king, Satan played an ace. He aced him every time. He brought his kingdom down in the Garden of Eden. He diminished his kingdom all the way through to Jesus. Satan said, I belong, I own the kingdoms of the world. I give them to you to bow down and worship me. He said, no, I don't think I will. I'll just go ahead and, and go through the plan. Because Jesus knew at the end the Father would give it to him all. Now then through two church ages, the second eve come. Ephesus, first bride, perfect. Here come in a little heir, Satan, the serpent, come in the church again, which is now the second kingdom of God. Begin to whisper in her ear, brought her down. Four worms, eat it down, eat it down, eat it down, according to Joel. Eat it all the way down to the roots. But he couldn't get to the roots, and in the roots and offspring of David come another branch. Here it sprouted out by Luther, grew a little more by uh, Wesley. Pentecost, it began to put forth fruit. And then all of a sudden, God himself come down the husbandman and brought the presence of God all together. And right in the top of the tree is immortal life. The best fruit is right in the top of the tree. Verse 13 says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. He names the, the instruments of the jewels, the sardis, the tobaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, jasper, all these things. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in, the, in thee in the day that thou was created. If you'll notice, these stones are almost exactly like the breast stones of the high priest, the Urim and the Thummim. But if you'll notice, the stones in the Urim and Thummim is in one order, and this one here was in a little different order. He was a little bit off of the word. Because he was perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him. Uh-oh, God slipped up. He created something perfect and didn't know something was there. No, no, no. God planted that in that individual. And sooner or later, he had to manifest that nature that he was. His iniquity was pride. Because he wanted a kingdom greater than the kingdom of Michael's. Because when it was in the form of Michael and Lucifer, morning stars, they had a battle. They was both the covering cherubims. They were both anointed. Brother Ben said Satan was, uh, was co-equal with God at one time, all except in creation. So here we see Satan with the breastplate and all these jewels. So what he represented in the garden now, he represented the high priest, the interpreter of God's word to Eve. And you know the story. Thou shalt not surely die. And God said you would. And basically we know the, the results of that was a sexual relationship outside of marriage that God called sin. Now everybody gets tight and all the preachers and all the modern churches don't want to mention it because they wanted to make an apple 
But remember, anything that grows out of the ground, God said, would not kill you. At that time, it wouldn't. Now we've got it perverted by sprays and pesticides and interbreeding, whatever more, that some of the things that comes out of the ground will kill you. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so that thou wast up on the holy mountain of God. That's the new Jerusalem, the mountain, the holy city. That thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with the violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So Satan was in the garden and brought his government and plan out of the garden with him to build a kingdom greater than God's. That's the reason you see all the kingdoms ago when we get through it in Daniel. We went through it years ago of all the kingdoms. And now we're in the fifth kingdom, which is not Israel. Here, y'all want to come. We'll just kind of bring it too close, this one. Israel still believes that they are the filth kingdom promised to be the head and not the tail to rule and reign over the whole earth. They lost their inheritance when they turned down their Messiah, which was Jesus, the anointed one. Since they turned down the tree of life, they lost their inheritance, and now that inheritance goes to the believers that will accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Yes. See, the gospel is not what church systems has taught it that you was and that we believed most of our life. The Bible teaches us that salvation is brought about by Jesus and Jesus alone. And to be saved, you have to believe that Jesus was the anointed Messiah, the promised one. He was the sacrifice of God that atoned for the fall of man in the garden. That he was the last Adam who redeemed our souls and delivered the Old Testament saints into the presence of God. And now his church, I call it his church, has become his kingdom or his garden here on earth. The kingdom of God is his body of believers. Rule and reign by the leadership of the Holy Ghost through the revealed word of God. We are the tabernacle of God. Tabernacle in the garden. That was God's tabernacle. The church now is his second tabernacle. And now we know that New Jerusalem will be the third. All these are telling you the story of three gardens and three trees. And once you see the tree by which you fell and how you got here this morning in these flesh bodies. Toiling the ground. Putting up with all the pains and everything else of life. That sin produced by an illicit affair of a man and a woman. If you can see the original sin, you ought to be able to see the penalty and how God is so strict in the relationship, sexually speaking, between men and women. And you can see the sin of today, which women types the church and the types the Eve, the woman, the church. And like I told the man in the garden, the agnostics, I said, if you think that they eat an apple and realize that they were naked, 
Just like Brother Branham said, I said, I'll go get a bushel of apple, and me and you will stand out here, and every woman that passes by that's naked, we'll give them an apple and see if it affects them. He kind of laughed. <laughs> I said, do you think an apple today will cause a woman to realize she's naked? He said, well, I don't think so. I said, then it couldn't have been an apple in the garden then. Because every seed produced after its own kind, it never changes. So if an apple caused them to realize they're naked and got out of the presence of God, an apple today will cause the women to realize they're naked and get back in the presence of God. You must realize by your natural birth why you have to be born again. We wasn't born right to start with. We were born naturally in sin. We should have come forth with our bodies. That's absolutely waiting for us now on the other side. If Eve had held true to her marriage, her husband. They would have brought forth children. Jesus would have been the firstborn son of Adam and Eve through the spoken word. Now, Brother Bram said they would absolutely sooner or later come to the natural relationship and brought four children. Now, I don't know who, what that types or who they would be or whatever. But I know if the sin had been injected in the garden, that we would come forth in perfect bodies with perpetual life. Even greater than Adam and Eve are in the same state they were in, which basically was potentially immortal. Because they was not immortal, was not mortal until they was put out of the garden. And the tree of life was shut off, which was their soul. Your soul inside of you has the ability, by the words out of your mouth, to change this natural body into a glorified form, even as Jesus Christ had when he was raised from the dead. You may not believe that. You may not speak that. But if you don't, you will never have a glorified body. Salvation lays in your mouth. Salvation does not lay by coming to the altar, whatever more. Salvation lays in your mouth. Because the Bible said if you confess Jesus Christ as being Lord, and Lord means that He is your head, He is the one that paid for you, bought for you, He is your bridegroom, He is your Lord. He is your soon coming king. He will be your bridegroom. You'll be the queen. That's a lofty position. But he is the head of the family by the price that he paid in the Garden of Gethsemane that we'll pick up next week. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, is Lord. Now we are a part of his own body by the new birth, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're baptized into the kingdom of God. You're baptized into the spiritual authority and the kingship, relationship of Jesus Christ. And if you will confess by your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible said you shall be saved. And if you'll confess Jesus Christ as Lord, take that confession to the water. You have a promise of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Which is the earnest and the witness of your confession. That God has received your faith in Jesus Christ. And he bears witness with your spirit. That you are a true believer and a son and daughter of God. As far as I know that is all you can do. Except yield your mind and your soul 
and your body to obey God, follow God, feed on the tree of life, which is the Word of God, confess who you are, confess the promises of God, walk in faith, and look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Can you say amen? Let's stand this morning. Thank you for your attention. I think I was just a little bit over. Next week, we'll look at another garden, and we'll follow these two governments, these two kingdoms, all the way down to today, and basically, we'll see who we are in, by according to this message. Uh, Charlotte, what's wrong with Benny? I'll ask you that. Got that virus. Okay. You mean he missed my birthday party for a virus? Well, Benny, if you're watching, is he watching you? You think he's watching this morning? I doubt it. Well, the ribs was good, the meat was good, and you missed it. That's all. Are they here? They just got here. Okay, so we got the meal here. So we got just a few minutes. A few minutes. Amen. Okay. How many enjoys the word? Now I, I wish and pray that I was a more charismatic preacher, teacher, eloquent, more, whatever, more, more. But I am what I am, and this is all God has given me. So thank you for listening and being a part of it. And remember, only God can give you that which you need. Amen. So don't look at any man, don't look at any system, don't look at any church. Look away to Calvary because it's all purchased at Calvary. Amen. Have faith in the Word of God because that's the only thing that will stand. As I've said over and over and over, is Jesus plus nothing. Amen. What are you going to say, Brady? I've got.